UMass has just finished in third place in the Quick Trip Holiday Face-Off. They lost to Clarkson and then beat Lake Superior State. We got a lot to say about this series, so let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 61 of High Character. The quick trip holiday face-off in Milwaukee, Wisconsin has come and gone. UMass split the series. They uh, lost the first game 6-3 to to Clarkson, game in which they led 3-0. We're going to have a lot to say about that one. And they won the third-place consolation game 4-1 to against Lake Superior State. My name is Cameron, and I am joined by my good buddy, Evan. Evan, how's it going, man? I'm angry. I'm so frustrated with what I just saw this weekend. Too many pods have started like that. I know season. it's it's uh, really unfortunate, and I'm really hoping that we can turn the tide. But yeah, I'll get into I guess all my feelings later on. As you know, the, like when we talk about the goals, my my frustrations will come out. You know, I mean, we're gonna try and I guess breeze over the opposing goals as much as humanly possible because it's just not fun to talk about, but yeah, there's definitely some stuff to, to discuss, you know, just regarding this team as a whole after this, what, what's realistically a disappointing weekend on the whole, like it's, you know, you, you split one and one, but it doesn't feel like that whatsoever. Right. And coming into this uh, kind of mid season tournament type thing, um, weird situation teams. You don't really play often at a neutral site in Wisconsin uh, right after Christmas. So not much time to practice. For this one, just a weird situation all around. But UMass did come in the favorite. They were 12th in the pairwise before this tournament started. Um, head and heels above the other three teams, um, Clarkson, Lake Superior State, and Wisconsin, who's having a down year, all things considered. And they should have been the favorites. They come in um, heavy favorites against the Clarkson team, who hasn't beat anybody of substance this season. Um, if you listen to our um, preview episode, we didn't really have anything good to say about Clarkson. And should have been a should have been a tournament where you uh, you get back on track. You start the second half right. You get a couple wins. If you don't get the wins, your pairwise uh, really starts to tank and just didn't get the job done in, in the first game. Um, which yeah, right. It does lead to a, a pretty disappointing uh, not weekend but midweek series, I guess you could say. I'm never giving game predictions ever again. This is the second time where I've kind of said, hey, yeah, UMass is the better team and we're going to get the job done. And I did that against Providence, which obviously in hindsight was pretty stupid because we know that Providence is, you know, probably a top 10 team right now. They're they're a pretty solid team. But, like, bro, Clarkson, like, I thought I thought that was an easy one to predict. You know what I mean? Like, the pairwise, just everything was pointing in the direction of UMass having a pretty comfortable win, you know, against them. And I, I was feeling really good about that prediction through the first, what, one and a half, two periods of the game, like we were, we were cruising, you know, as we'll, as we'll discuss. And then the third period happened and yeah, I, I like, I'm never, I'm never giving a prediction for a game ever again, because I've already been burnt twice <laughs> on it and I don't want there to be a third strike and have me be out, you know, but we're going to turn this into a baseball podcast pretty soon at that. Yeah. Rate. yeah. If you, if you listen to our preview episode, a lot of our predictions about this, uh, this tournament came true. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit, but uh um, yeah, you're you with the the outcome predictions. Maybe you got to hold off a little bit as we as we go into this Clarkson game. Um, 
we were correct about Reed Lebster not being in the lineup. He's still uh, hurt something, something about the knee that happened in that last Merrimack game. So he's out as well as Ryan Ufko and um, Kenny Connors. They're both playing for team USA in the world juniors right now. So uh, three of your four top scorers are out. It's not a, a great recipe for success, but like we said, this Clarkson team really struggling this year, all things considered against bad opponents. So Shouldn't have been a problem. Um, it, it looked like it was a problem in the first period. The shot totals for um, Clarkson just heavily out shooting UMass. It ended up being 15 to 6 in this period. And uh, just a really concerning tone that the team set coming out. Uh, defensive lapses, just allowing a lot of really high quality chances. And it doesn't end up burning UMass. It doesn't feel good in the first period. But uh, UMass actually comes out with a lead about eight and a half minutes in. Uh, they get on the board. Cole O'Hara with a nice wrister uh, found the open spot in the net. Looked really good uh, to make it one nothing UMass. And that's uh, how the first period went, just that one goal. Yeah, I mean, like you said, we were not playing amazing. Um, great shot by Cole there to kind of turn the tide of the play. I mean, we, we really were not looking hot to start off. And, you know, when you go bar down like that on the power play, it's going to, you know, kind of lift the team up a little bit. Um, that really was kind of a turning point. And, you know, that was that was a huge play by him because I think that was only his second goal of the year up until that point. He really didn't show, like, a crazy scoring touch. He was getting more assists than anything. But, yeah, I think that was a really big kind of confidence moment for him because I think he played really, really well the rest of the game after this moment too. Yeah, he did. And uh, that was a power play goal. ZMS's only power play goal. Um, of the game. They looked really good on it. That's how the first period ended. One nothing UMass. Um, definitely a, a situation where could have been a lot worse than it was given the, the defensive lapses and the shot totals, but um, they were able to get out of it one nothing. They really started to turn the tide in the second period. Just a huge advantage in the shots once it was all said and done. 18 to 8 UMass. They controlled possession a ton and they, they got rewarded for their efforts. Uh, just three minutes into the period, Josh Nodler, we see him come in and clean up a quite the greasy play to make it 2 nothing UMass. Yeah, I mean, that was another huge play right there. I mean, just a lot of just greasy type goals. You know what I mean? Like that's, I mean, I think that's only, again, Nodler's second of the year. So, I mean, he, he I think his first goal of the year was, I think the very first game that we played, it was against AIC and it was another kind of rebound cleanup out in front. So, I mean, that seems to kind of just be his area of the ice and where he excels at playing. So, Again, another really, really huge moment right there. And we kind of had all the momentum going into, you know, like we were feeling good at this time. And yeah, I mean, really, really another good goal. Yeah, the the ice kept tilting further. Just a few minutes later, we see uh, a great no-look pass from Tyson Dick. Uh, also, he slotted back in the lineup after a leave of absence for a little while. Um, not for health reasons, just uh, just a healthy scratch for a bit. He, he slots back in and he definitely made a difference. He had a really nice no-look pass to... Uh, Kolohara again, who had another nice little wrister, makes it three nothing UMass, and the vibes at this point were really solid. Less than halfway through the game, man, Cam, I think you should give yourself a pat on the back here. I think you said you wanted him back in the lineup, right? So I did, yeah, he, and he I wanted him to be at least with uh, Kolohara. I said they should put Kenny Connors there, so we'll see what happens uh, after the World Junior. But that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, no, it was another. It was a great play. You know what I mean? I mean, Tyson Dick is you know a smaller dude, and he. I think that was kind of the reason for the scratch is because he was getting pushed off the puck a little too much. And when he has this sort of speed and agility to get around guys, because he put a nice little kind of right-left move, you know, on the forehand to get around like some sprawling Clarkson defender there. 
and he does this little, you know, tap drop pass type thing, no look. It's a nuts play, you know what I mean? And then Kolohara with a nasty shot to finish it off was just the icing on the cake. It was really, really well-worked goal. And I sure wish we could get a couple more of those, like, you know, a couple more of those in this game because that certainly would have helped our chances uh, going forward against Clarkson. But sadly, that didn't happen. Yeah, that made it 3 nothing UMass. And they had all the momentum in the world. They were playing really well. Um, all, all things considered a good second period, but Clarkson did find the back of the net in this period. Uh, you had said it, we were watching the game together. It was one of the better goals you've seen. Uh, just a really nice toe drag and snipe from Matthew Gosselin on uh, Clarkson, who's who got his name on the score sheet quite a bit. Um, really nice looking goal to make it 3-1 on the rush. Yeah, it was an absolutely filthy goal. I'm actually, I'm trying to pull it up right now because uh, Clarkson did not actually post any of their goals. And if there was any goal to post, it should have been this one. He basically just enters the zone in like off of a, like a neutral zone pass, does this crazy toe drag. Like, I don't know if anybody's ever played NHL before, like on the PlayStation, but like, if you do a fake shot and then like you, you do the right stick backwards, you do this like crazy toe drag type thing and you just flicked it. He literally flicks it bar down, like on, on pass. I, I think Pav might have got a little bit screened here. I'm trying to see who could have screened him. Uh, Scott Morrow, it seems like. Little little unfortunate defensive lap. Well, I mean, there's really not a whole lot. I mean, it's a really good toe drag move there, but I think Morrow could have had a little bit more of an active stick there to try and get into the shooting lane. Yeah, the forechecking could have been a bit a bit better on that chance yeah the back check for it, everything could have been a little bit better but I mean it was a very solid individual play I mean if there's any goal that's going to go against UMass if it's going to be a high skill goal like this I can't be that upset about it but you know I feel like in any goal against there's things that you could improve on and kind of find tweak and do better in so that's just kind of a teaching moment for the future but yeah other than that it, that was a nasty goal I was not that upset about leaving you know because I'm figuring oh yeah three nothing and then if it goes to three one off of a nasty goal like that it's not a big deal but turns out this was the beginning of a massive comeback which was much more unfortunate yeah and a goal uh you said you didn't mind giving that one up as much it's a high skill play the next goal three minutes later that Clarkson scores uh a goal you really don't want to give up puck kind of just gets flipped over the two d-men in the uh in the UMass offensive zone and uh uh, and Artuan Martino gets himself clean breakaway and scores. Uh, just you don't you don't like to see your defenders get burned to this extent like they did here. Yeah, I'm complaining pretty hard about the Big Ten uh, video player right now because I just like scrubbed forward to this part of the game and because I have all the timestamps written out and it decided to just skip directly to the end of the game. So I'm trying to rewind right back. Okay, yeah. So it looks like. Uh, is it Bollinger and Ellis? No, it's McDermott and Ellis back there. And they, this, what's this player's name? What'd you say it was? He just. Uh, Arton Martino. Uh, yeah, I think Air that's Tom. the guy. Yeah, I think that's the, the top scorer of their team. So yeah, he just breaks through with a lot of speed, just splits the D-men and he's in all alone. Like, I don't know if our D-men just fell asleep there, but that's, it's just another defensive lapse. He just, like, this wasn't even that big of a skill play. That's just, you got to stay back there and look at the guy that's splitting, trying to split you up the ice. Like, that's when you're up three, one at this point, you can't be letting that type of stuff slide. You know what I mean? Like I have all the trust in the world in Luke Pavisage, but you got to give him some help. You know what I mean? Like you can't just let him skate in like that on, you know, just completely unfettered. Like, just, oh, it sucks. You know, <laughs> frustrating. Yeah. Just uh, you mass lit off the gas at the end of the second period there and they got burned for it. Uh, second period ends three to two and we take it to the third. This 
was a really we've said it a few times this season this might have been the worst period of the season and this one uh is right up there with the others and they didn't allow a goal until halfway through the period uh three to two up until 10 minutes left in the game um we see a pretty in our opinion suspect goal go in um a little soft on Pavicic maybe the defense giving up more than they should um Anthony Romano scored this goal for Clarkson and it uh, frankly shouldn't have, shouldn't have happened in our opinion, but. Yeah. I mean, even just before that, just, just to kind of rewind just for, for, for a second, we, we thought we were going to be up four too. you know, that that's the, you know, like mm. Lucas Mercury scored a goal there and it gets called back for goalie interference on, I think they called it on Taylor. Like, I don't know. And right. like, I, yeah, I just wanted to mention that for a second because, you know, realistically, if that goal counts, I think that would have been the straw that kind of broke the camel's back and kind of destroyed the comeback for Clarkson. So a little upset about that. I mean, it probably was the right call, but it's like McCarr trips over a sprawling player in front of the, in, in front of the net. You know what I mean? Like he can't really control the way that he falls when there's a player on the floor trying to, you know, get in the way of one of our other players. Like, could that be interference? Like, I don't know. It just seems a little suspect, but yeah, no, I completely agree with the goal against for, for Clarkson there. It's like, I don't know. He, he's at the top of the face-off dot. He's at a pretty poor angle. Like, we had two defensemen back that were covering the passing lane, so it's like you'd figure Pavisic would just be purely focused on the shooter, and he just wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. That's not a goal. Yeah, I think that's a goal he should he should want back. You know, and when especially when it's a tying goal like that, that that really is kind of tough mentally for the team. You know, just knowing that you had a nice three, nothing lead. And now it's back to three, three at a brand new game with the other team having all the momentum. It's just, it's a tough pill to swallow and we just could never really get back into it. Yeah. And you make a good point with the, um, the disallowed goalie interference goal, um, a real turning point in this game that the tying goal from Clarkson comes just minutes after that. So uh, momentum definitely swung in their favor and it kept going less than three minutes later, Ayrton Martino, yet again, he gets a nice little tip out in front makes it four to three and UMass really just reeling at this point. It'll, it'll get worse. So uh, good tip, but uh, gives Clarkson the lead after being down three, nothing pretty impressive. Yeah. And just real quick, I don't, I don't want to harp on this too much, but the thing that in my opinion made this goal all happen that I'm seeing in this replay right here, pucks down low, they have two players fighting for it. And we only have one guy fighting for it. Scott Morrow is literally on the goal line, just staring at the scrum. Doesn't even want to go in, try and get the puck. Who like who is he covering on this play? You know, he hit the guy that he's meant to cover here is in the scrum actively trying to get the puck, battle him for it, do something. You know, like this, this, this right here is the second, in my opinion, defensive lapse by Morrow that leads to a goal. Like if he, if he's able to, you know, he has a good stick. He has, he has good hands. He's able to corral pucks. He should be able to go in there, grab that puck and then do something with it. That's, that's been his job for the past year and a half. He's been on this team and he just he's just puck watching. He doesn't he doesn't know where to be. He doesn't know where to go. I I'm I'm at a loss. But yeah, no, I mean that in my opinion is what makes the goal all happen. And you know, they recycle possession afterwards because they get the puck back because again, nobody's covering the other guy in the scrum that's just has free range to get the puck. You know, he's just has nothing else to do. So yeah, I mean, I think they just kind of flutter in a little, you know, a little shot and you know, it goes it's I don't know, man. At this point, it's just the defense. I don't know if we're just rattled. I don't know what like what the team is kind of doing here. Like it seems like some guys are willing to fight the, for, fight for the puck, and some guys aren't. It's just 
I'm, I'm at a loss right here. It's, it's, I'm, it's super confusing to me, and it's only going to continue. Yeah, it, it does get worse. Three minutes later, uh, Anthony Romano again. Um, I, I really, really was losing focus in this game after this, just with how bad things were going. But I believe it was on an uh, um, nod man rush. He gets a goal. Um, Taylor McCarr gives gives a player a little forearm shiver after the goal scored. Really can't let that happen. So he gets the penalty called on him for that. And UMass uh, just in a really dark place after this one makes it five to three and they go to the penalty kill and that sealed this game effectively. Yeah, no. And I think, I, I think the, the penalty by, by Taylor kind of, in my opinion, shows an overarching theme with what I've noticed recently in this team is just immaturity. Like, I don't like, we take dumb penalties a lot. We've been doing that a lot recently. Taylor ends up getting, I think, benched for the first period of the next game for this. I mean, that right there is basically the dagger of the game. Don't, don't throw elbows at people like Taylor's done this a lot. You know, his, you know, specifically his maturity has been really, really perplexing at times. And, you know, again, th this goal was just another, I mean, I actually realized after I looked at the replay, I described the wrong goal in the last goal that that goal was a nasty tip like that. I really can't be that upset about Like That was a really good tip goal, but this one was like, I don't like, we get the, the guy that puts in like the initial backhand, like cross crease thing just burned like three guys with his hands just to even like get into the zone. Like we, we were getting outskilled all over the shop. You know what I mean? In this game, you know, like you look at Clarkson, you think, all right, they're not that great in the pair wise. They're not going to be that amazing of a team individually, but their players were making big plays and we did not know how to stop it whatsoever. You know, and our defense was just very, very lacking. And I think the moment that the game got tied, the defense was just trying to think like, how can I make a big play to try and spark the team again? And I think that led to more stupid decisions, you know, in our own zone, we were playing very, very aggressively and it ended up leading us to get beat a lot. Yeah. Um, getting beat a lot is definitely a theme. Uh, Clarkson did score another one on this power play 30 seconds later. I don't really think we need to talk about it. It's just. The only thing I want to say is. about that one is just Kennedy O'Connor was an absolute dope on the play. Like he, we were on a penalty kill because of Taylor's foolishness. And then he decides to just rocket up the ice on a penalty kill to try and stop the zone entry he gets absolutely burned. And then it's a two on O going, going in our direction, like play smarter, dude. You know what I mean? Like don't try and make the big, the big hit with a minute left in the game. We're already down two goals. Like just, just do damage control at that point. But I just wanted to get that off my chest. Cause that really annoyed me when I saw that in real time, but yeah, stupid, stupid end of the game. Six, three, it was insanely bad. Yeah, and that's how this one ends, 6-3. to three. Uh, I'll give Clarkson a little bit of credit, and then we'll let's talk about the UMass side of things. Um, Gonsolin, Martino, and Romano all had two goals, and they were all in the second half of this game. So pretty impressive from, from that group of three right there, a lot of them getting assists on these goals, goals as well. So good showing from those guys. But, uh, yeah, Coach Carville said it after the game. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but it, um, some – some goals that shouldn't have gone in uh, in other words, some soft goals, uh, the defense allowing things that they shouldn't. And it, it's just a lot of people on Twitter were even saying this might be the worst loss of the coach Carvel era, which is a uh, big statement. It's uh, definitely a really feel bad loss after, um, you know, you need to win this game for your pairwise not to tank. And that's what it does. The pairwise tanks a little bit uh, drops the mass to 15th, which is, pretty much out of the the tournament so um yeah there's can't really sugarcoat it just a really really bad loss 
does not. And it basically, it basically ended our, our postseason hopes for the most part. Like now, or at you know, large postseason, postseason. Yeah, hopes. exactly. That's, yeah. But that's what I'm saying though. Like you, we basically would have to win the hockey East playoffs to have even a sniff at the at the postseason tournament. Like, what are what are we? You know, like what are we doing? You know, it's like I don't know. Like with the way that we've been playing against hockey East teams. I'm not confident at all right now. I thought our best chance was an at-large bid. And now that that's essentially gone out the window, like I'm pretty sure with the Lake Superior state, I think you told me yesterday, Cam, even if we won against Lake Superior, it drops our pairwise just because Lake Superior is that low in the pairwise rating. It's like, that's, it's not even a game that we should be playing at this point. If we're trying to, you know, do pairwise analytics on this type of stuff, like this we were Michigan, maybe we wouldn't be playing it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's a tough time right now. Realistically, like, it's not even like I can't even pinpoint exactly what we need to do to fix this. You know, like it's just top to bottom, things are just going wrong on all you know ends of the ice, and and it sucks because like this is kind of what we expected going into the year, and then our our ideas of what this team could be were completely shifted. You know, as the as the course of the season went on, you know, we've seen some of the highest of highs and now we're seeing the lowest of lows and it, it really hurts to watch as a pretty dedicated fan of, of UMass hockey here. It's just, it's weighing on me a little bit. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into more of the bigger picture stuff. We'll, we'll talk about this Lake Superior state game. We'll kind of go through it a little bit quicker just because Lake Superior state came in, I believe 57th in the pairwise. <laughs> They're just a really bad team. They came in like three, 14 and two. So yeah. Um, that is definitely a game you need to win. And uh, Coach Carville, obviously very upset from the Clarkson game. He made some some drastic changes. The the main one being Henry Graham, the walk-on third-string goalie that's been with the team for a few years. Never thought he would uh, see the ice, quite frankly, in a, in a meaningful regular season game. He gets the start in this one, which uh, I guess we could talk about it a little bit. That raises some huge question marks about Cole Brady because he's supposed to be the backup right now. Um, we've noticed that on the line sheets, he's been the third string in maybe a name only, but it doesn't seem like that. So um, on a night where Luke Pavisic let in some soft goals the night before, uh, you'd think we see Cole Brady, but we see Henry Graham, which is crazy to think about. I wouldn't believe you if you told me that at the beginning of the season. Yeah, when I saw that posted on Twitter, I think it was Nathan Strauss that dropped it first. Shout out to him for that, by the way. Um, I was in complete and utter shock. Like, I read that, and I texted you immediately, and I was like, what the hell is going on here? You know, like, a fair play to Henry Graham. Couldn't be happier for the kid, but, like, I never thought I would see him starting a game. Like, just realistically. Like, that just doesn't happen in college athletics for the most part. You know, like, you have a third-string walk-on guy. He's meant to really be the practice guy. That's kind of how it works, you know, just in a normal sense. And when you see Henry Graham, who has never started a collegiate game in basically two and a half years of playing for the team, he's played, I think, up until this point, maybe 15 minutes of competitive ice time. You know, like, that's that's crazy to see that he's starting over a guy that's already played five games this season and was a draft pick in the NHL, you know, like. It, it definitely raises questions as to what is going on with Cole Brady. I, I don't know how to read into it at all. Like I don't have any like insider knowledge on this sort of stuff, but something clearly happened. You know what I mean? Like something has clearly happened and I, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm at a loss. 
Yeah, we don't believe that he's hurt. So definitely raised a lot of question marks. Another move that happened for his, Evan mentioned it a little bit earlier, for his hit in the third period, uh, really cheap little elbow to some guy's face. Taylor McCarr gets benched for the first period. I don't know if we've ever seen uh, since Coach Carvel's been coach a, a publicly announced uh, benching for a period. I'm, that's new to us for sure. Yeah, no, I have definitely haven't heard about that whatsoever. Um, I feel like if there has been any sort of disciplinary stuff, it's been kind of kept on the low, and it's usually for a whole game rather than just a period. So that, at least to me, I think the reason that it was only just a period, and this is just me completely spitballing, we're kind of low on people. You know what I mean? Like, we, we have a couple of injuries, and we have two guys out for World Juniors. I genuinely think we couldn't afford to keep McCarr out for the entire game. Like, I think our extra skater was Eric de Dabelair. I am terrible at pronouncing his last name, but he knows who he is. Um, and you guys all know who he is. I think he like he hadn't even played for us the past two years that he's been with us. And so for him to be the extra skater, and I think he might have got maybe two or three shifts throughout the whole game, that just kind of shows you like how shorthanded we were. You know what I mean? Like that's no slight to him whatsoever. That's just how the coaching staff has been using him. So yeah, it's definitely a, a weird situation, but I think that could be a reason why it was only for a period. Yeah, I definitely think so too. And it was uh, at least crazy to us to see that it actually got announced. We don't really see that from this coaching staff very much. We're clearly trying to send a message to this team that yeah. he's not exactly happy with their performance. And as we as we get into this game, like I said, a game UMass needs to win. If they were to lose this game, their pairwise would be completely out the window. Um, they didn't they didn't play fantastic to start this game. The first period was scoreless. Um, not a huge differential in the shots. I think UMass led 14 to 10. Um, any Lake Superior State is an awful goal scoring team. And I think that's the only reason that this game stayed scoreless. Um, Henry Graham, love the kid, uh, didn't fully look comfortable in the net, which is totally understandable. Um, his post to post is a little bit slow just from the eye test, but uh, he, he still got the job done. Um, defense held just enough to allow this team to score no goals and that's how the first period ended zero zero I'm gonna be honest I don't even know if I could say that the defense was that great in the first period I'm pretty sure he had to make one or two breakaway stops um like again I completely agree he didn't look extremely comfortable in net I like you said post to post a little slow you know he he's not the you know he's not going to be a, a crazy starting caliber d1 goalie that's that's why he's a third string you know what I mean but he got his chance today and I mean he he made it count but yeah no he's definitely he doesn't look like Pavisic in net you know what I mean like he's there's just a different level of, of skill there just as it is but yeah no I mean he was doing enough in net he made a couple big breakaway stops and you know he was doing just enough but yeah I don't think we were you know I think realistically if we were playing against anybody else that wasn't late superior we would have got scored on once or twice in that period you know they're just not a clinical scoring team and I think that very much worked into our favor. And realistically, I think that was part of the reason why Carvey gave Graham the start because he knew that they were pretty tepid offensively. Yeah, and uh, that's again, that's how the first period ended. We go to the second, and that's where UMass kind of found their legs a little bit more. Um, got a bunch of power play chances, and they they capitalized. They're one of the best power play teams in the country, and they did show that in this game. Um, just five minutes into the three minutes into the period. We see a power play and Kolohara finds himself on the blue line, finds a wide open Michael Cameron in front of the net, um, passes to him. Michael Cameron just gives two or three dekes, uh, jukes the goalie out of his jock strap and makes it one nothing UMass. 
Yeah, another great play by O'Hara here. I think that was his third point of the weekend um, up until that point. And, yeah, I don't know why the hell Lake Superior didn't look at Michael Cameron. I don't know if it's because he's kind of smaller. They just forgot that he was even there or what. But he was completely uncovered and had nobody within, like, 20 feet of him. So he had all the time and space in the world to make that nice little forehand, backhand move. And, uh, yeah, flips it over the sprawling goaltender. You know, you really can't ask for much more than that. It was a great play. Yeah, and uh, immediately Lake Superior commits another penalty. And just two minutes later, UMass scores again. Uh, see the puck bouncing around the the crease. Couple rebounds off the goalie, and Aaron Bollinger finally cleans it up. His first goal of the season makes it two nothing pretty quick in the second period. This whole power play unit was was firing on all cylinders, you know, in this game. I mean, granted, again, Lake Superior, but like when you know Bollinger got himself, I think two goals in this game. We're going to talk about the other one right after. He was firing on all cylinders. Michael Cameron, I think, got an apple on this play, and I think O'Hara was on the ice for this play, too. So, I mean, that whole power play, you know, was just racking up, you know, really, really good performances all over the ice there. And this was just another one. He just clean, you know, Bollinger just cleans it up right in front of the net. It was – I think I think the goalie didn't end up getting a piece on it, and uh, Bollinger just didn't even sell at all. He literally just <laughs> raised his hand in the air. I mean, first goal of the season, I think he might have just forgot how to sell but, uh, yeah, he was definitely happy about that one anyway. Yeah, that made it 2 nothing. Um, that held for a little while until 12 minutes left in the second or 12 minutes into the second period. We see uh, Brandon Purcelli. He's a uh, transfer from Minnesota Duluth, I believe. And they said his name a lot on the broadcast of this game. I'm not exactly, I don't have much on this goal, but he was the one who scored it and it made it two to one UMass. Yeah, from what I remember, it was a really simple, just like it was a two on or it might have just been like a two on two or a two on one. They were off the rush. They shot it low on Graham's pad. The rebound basically went right to the late Superior State player, and he just tapped it in. Like, you really can't what, – what, what should have happened is the defense should have just cleared the puck out, but they just weren't there for it. So I wouldn't really blame it fully on Graham. You know, maybe you want his rebound control to be a bit better. But, yeah, it was a simple low shot, low rebound. They put it home with the rebound. So it is what it is. Yeah, and UMass was able to answer that goal less than a minute later. Aaron Bollinger, again, he fired a wicked wrister all the way from the blue line. Um, I don't know if the goalie never saw it or, or anything like that, but he somehow finds the back of the net, makes it 3-1 to one in his second goal of the game. Yeah, he had a, he had a twine-seeking missile there, not to be confused with a piss missile because mm. it was a wrister, not a slap shot. Um, might have to start making twine-seeking missile hoodies pretty soon. But, uh, yeah, buy those uh, My Shopify high character. You know, you, you guys know the link. Um, yeah, it was another really, really good goal. I don't think the goalie saw it whatsoever because by the time the puck hit the back of the net, he started to raise his glove. He was just completely lost at that moment. So, yeah, it was a really, really good goal. Um, Bollinger goes from zero goals to two goals in the span of, you know, what, five, ten minutes or whatever. Like, yeah. Definitely was uh, climbing up the the leaderboards for uh, points on this team. And, yeah, it was super cool to see because I re- he really deserves it. You know what I mean? He's been playing – more more defensive minded hockey for the most part. And so for him to get some some power play time and to get some some power play points under his belt, that that's really cool to see. Yeah, I just watching these two games, um, he was one of the only D men that really showed uh he wanted to be out there skating fast, skating hard, get himself in the right places. So good for him to get two goals. We uh we saw him later in this game taking maybe some ill-advised shots to get a chance at a third late in the game, but uh, didn't end up happening. That The game ended up going 3-1 to one into the third period, and not much happened in the third. Uh, Lake Superior had a bit of a shot advantage. Maybe UMass taking the foot off the gas a little bit. 
but we see uh, three minutes in, Taylor McCarry finds some open space in the slot, skates his way in, and snipes one home. I believe it was his seventh of the year, uh, and he's really found a knack for scoring. It's been great to see so far this season. Yeah, his shot's been really good. I mean, he's one of the only guys, at least up until, you know, this point of the season, where if he has the puck in, like, in relatively alone with space and time to shoot, I trust him to put it on net and to put it in the back of the net. I can't say the same for a lot of other guys in this team. Like, I'm not trying to throw shade. Like, this was a very good moment. I don't want to turn this into a negative one, but it's just, it's the reality of it. I feel like Taylor's one of the only guys that's really clinical with his with his chances. I think he's definitely developed a really, really solid shot. Like that was a very quick wrister from where he was at. We had other players on this team in that exact same scenario in this game that couldn't even put the puck on net. Like that, it just shows you that there's, there's definitely a difference in quality when it comes to people shooting on this team. And Taylor is definitely one of those guys I can trust. He, he v- did his job very well in this play. Yeah, for sure. Him and Kenny Connors, who, uh, whose absence was definitely felt at least a little bit in this game. Um, not much happened in the rest of the third. Graham looked solid. Um, defense was okay. Kept the kept Lake Superior off the board, and that's how this game ends. Four to one. UMass takes third place in the quick trip holiday faceoff. Uh bit of a disappointing performance. We're not putting too much stock into this win. Uh, that it moves Lake Superior State's record to 315 and two. They're just clearly one of the worst teams in the country. So um, not a huge accomplishment beating them but it is really good to get back in the win column at least uh in this tournament you'd absolutely hate to lose both of these yeah lake superior is basically the equivalent of umass and carvel's first year like we ended up we ended up that was what the 529 season like that's basically where they're at right now at their point you know like you really can't put too much stock into this win at all like we got the job done and realistically we should have scored even more i think we outchanced the hell out of them in the second and third periods so we were, we were looking really, really decent offensively, but again, it doesn't really mean a whole lot when you're playing a, you know, less than stellar quality opponent. But I really can't say that because when we played, a, I wouldn't say a similar pairwise team, but a team that was definitely lower ranked than us in the pairwise in Clarkson, we get absolutely whooped. So I don't even know what to expect game in and game out anymore out of this team. It's, it's a completely mixed bag. You know, like we'll, we'll look amazing at some points and then we'll completely collapse in other points. We're just basically picking names out of a hat and figuring out what type of team we're going to get at any given period. And it's super frustrating to watch at the end of the day. Yeah. One thing that was uh, good, I suppose um, we've been kind of harping on the team this year for being undisciplined. This uh, they had one penalty in the first game and it was just a dumb, uh, angry penalty from Taylor in three in the second game. So a bit more disciplined than we've seen this season, but just really this game and not this game, this tournament emphasized um, kind of a bigger overarching problem, at least in our heads. Um, it's, it's just been tough watching this team it, in past years with coach Carville. Um, even if the team's not um, having the same output, getting in the, in the wind column frequently, you still see the, the words that he likes to preach fast, hard, prepared, character compete all of those things and uh it's not just a matter of being slow out of the holiday break um we've seen it more this year this team is really lacking um seems like the leadership to get themselves there to to really um play with those words in mind uh, a lot of guys we see flat-footed they're not playing hard 
Um, they're not prepared for what the other teams are doing. Um, they're not skating fast when they should be skating fast. <laughs> Moral. It's just like, oh God, sorry. I had something caught in my throat, my bad. It just all kind of combines into that compete word that Coach Carville uses. And we're just not competing. Um, it's, it's like you could still compete without having the high skill level. It's just like, I, in my opinion, and I, I believe Evan shares the same, it's not the same level of compete as we're used to. And we've, we've been spoiled, admittedly, but it's just um, the product isn't where we'd expect it as uh, new mass hockey fans. Yeah, like I, I'd like to. This is probably the only time I'm ever going to use a Stephen A. Smith quote ever on on this podcast. But I remember I forget what the context was, and he was talking about it. But he basically said that something has has happened psychologically, and he doesn't know what the issue is. Like that's how I feel. Like there's something ingrained in these players' heads right now that's just it's not meshing. You know what I mean? Like when you know, I I think Carvel likes to always talk about playing his best hockey towards the end of the season we've literally regressed over the course of the season. We played our best hockey at the beginning of the season and it's only gotten worse ever since. Like something's not right with that. Like, like if I look at our schedule right now, like when was our, yeah, we, we beat our last, well, besides the Lake Superior State game, our last win was the Lowell game in the friendship four. We lost to Quinnipiac, well tied, but lost in the shootout, tied against Lowell, lost in the shootout lost to Merrimack and lost to Clarkson. It's like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like our last two wins were, you know, a very, very gutsy 2-1 win against Lowell. Fair enough. Very happy with that. That was a good win. And then we beat New Hampshire. We beat UNH, bro, 4-2. to two. And then that was coming off of the five-game losing streak. Like, we have looked terrible recently. Like, it's – and that's the problem that's kind of hurt me the most is that, like, it doesn't really seem like much has changed. Like I haven't really seen like any sort of like major shakeups, like in the team composition or like anything to try and spark the team. Like I've seen very, very minor line shifts and stuff like that. But like, in my opinion, I mean, I can, if anybody follows me on Twitter, you'd kind of hear what I'm saying, but like people need to get benched, I think. And I think discipline needs to happen. Like granted. Yeah. We just saw Pavisic get benched. We've clearly seen Cole Brady get benched or whatever you want to call that, get put in the doghouse. I think he's so deep in the doghouse, you could call it a dog mansion at this point. Like, he's just like, th- th- there's no coming back from that, I don't think. Like, I don't know. That's a super weird situation in its own right. But, like, I think there there are players on this team that are not performing up to expectations, and I think they need to be benched and shown that nobody is bigger than the team or the mentality of the team. Like, something needs to change with that mindset. Like, I don't know if like the leadership, like the, the, the players need to step up and try and, you know, motivate this team. You know, I don't know if certain assistant coaches need to take a role and, you know, motivate this team, but something is lacking right now, you know, just something's got to give. And I don't know what it is, but I don't know if you have any other ideas, Cam, or if you want to move on to a different topic, but that's kind of one of the, without naming names, that's been kind of, you know, one of the major things that's been on my mind recently because it's been very, very frustrating to watch as of recent. Yeah, I just want to say some of you, some of you might be yelling at us through your your phone or your car, wherever you're listening, like, hey, this is a young team. There's eight freshmen, like, they deserve some room to to take losses and grow and, and get better from that. We're fully with you if that's what yeah. you're thinking, but yeah. this team has shown that they can like play the best of the best teams. They beat Denver. They swept them handedly. They didn't like escape with wins in those games. Like 
They beat them handily. They imposed their will on Union 7-0 and 7-1. This team has all the ability in the world. It's just the mental side of it and the effort side of it that, like, it just seems off. Like, it's not everybody. There's guys that are uh, playing out of their minds, and, like, we appreciate that. But there's just something different about this team since those beginning wins that really just isn't sitting well it seems it seems like the effort could be much higher and I we're not in that room every day we're not at practice we don't know as much as the coaching staff does but it's just as fans of this team for for years now it's just it's a tough watch this year and it's it's not because of the lack of skill because we think a lot of these guys have the skill for this team to be great it's just to us at least that's what it seems like yeah, no, the, the last thing that I want to mention, like, to if anybody is yelling at us, and I feel like at this point, because I've mentioned this twice, I'm, like, creating, like, an argument in my own head with the viewers. Like, it, I, I, that very well could not be the case. But the last thing that I want to mention is, is, like, it seems like most of these errors are mental, and they've had time, you know, obviously, you know, two months, you know, or I guess three months since, like, roughly the beginning of the season has not been enough time to completely iron out every mental mistake we're ever going to see out of these young guys. I get that, but I haven't seen any really sort of improvement. I've seen regression. That's, that's been the concerning part to me. Like we didn't have these sorts of mental mistakes early on in the season, or if we did, I'm at least forgetting about them because we ended up winning those games. You know what I mean? But like, just something doesn't seem right when, when, you're actively getting worse over the, like, I don't know if we're in our own heads. Like, I don't know if like we're overthinking things too much or in the case of what I think in some players underthinking things, like there's just, I feel like if, if at the bare minimum, if you're not getting better, at least stay the same, you know what I mean? Don't get worse. And that's what I think we've seen is that we've been getting worse. And that's the part that really kind of, just doesn't sit well with me. And I think something really needs to change. Right. And a lot of the main contributors are the young guys, the freshmen and sophomores. We yep. see Kenny Connors contributing a lot. Cole O'Hara, especially lately. Yep. Um, Taylor McCarr is getting in there. Like it's, it's not just like the young guys that are making these mistakes. Like a lot of the young guys are actually contributing quite a bit. So um, Michael Cameron, he's a newcomer. That's been electric every time he's on the ice. So um been it's been tough we we've gone on a lot of this season about it. it's just it's really coming to a head and getting very frustrating and we need to see better in hockey east play i think that's all all it boils down to yep all right let's uh let's jump into awards and then we'll get out of here so the first award that we like to give out is the ccc award carvel's character and compete award and i think there's nobody more deserving out of these two games than aaron bollinger he gets his first couple of goals of the season um, he ends up with five, I believe, five points on the week. So um, just fantastic output on the scoring sheet. Um, in my opinion, he was the best defenseman um, on the defensive side of things in these two games. So really just played well. His presence was felt on the ice. And uh, interesting to see he hasn't gotten a goal so far this season, but well-deserved. He got two of them in the second game. So um, good job, Aaron Bollinger. Yeah, he, uh, he jumps up from 16th in scoring on the team to 10th in over the course of two games like that's that's huge he actually he went from three points on the year to eight points on the year so more than doubled his uh his, his point output which is wild to see you know what I mean like that just shows how good of a weekend he had but 
yeah, again, regardless of kind of all the all the point stuff, you know, I could only really think of maybe one or two instances across both games where he got like burned, like trying to make, you know, a big hit or a big play or something like that. And it didn't work out. And those those didn't end up turning out into goals, I don't think. So it wasn't really that bad, you know, defensively on his part. So he was very, very solid. You know, he he's the type of dude that block shots. You know, he he's a you know a smaller dude. I think he's only a five nine, five ten, but he he plays big, you know. He he will get in those shooting lanes. He's gonna do all the little things and try and be a pest. Um, I really like his game and you know, I really think that he's been a you know kind of stepping up his play as of recently. So definitely deserved for him. Yeah, absolutely deserved. Congratulations, Aaron Bollinger. The second award that we give out is the Good Try UMass Award, somebody that we want to see improve for the next time out there. And it doesn't sh- like show up that much on the score sheet, but the guy that we have to give it to is Scott Morrow. Um, he came in with all the expectations in the world this season. Um, All-American as a freshman last year, defenseman. Um, he's a big NHL draft pick. If he has a good year this year, um, he'll get called up right to the NHL, play with the Carolina Hurricanes. So he's had a lot of expectations on his shoulders, which is why I feel like we can be um, pretty tough on him from what we've seen. It's just we've seen it throughout this season. And I, I don't want to sound um, mean or like I'm attacking him or anything. It's just um, from our own observations, it seemed like he's just slow. Like he's not putting in the effort to catch up to guys on defense. He's not putting in the effort to have active hands um, on odd man rushes and, and get his stick in uh, good places. It's just, he's been, at least to us, uh, we're not sure how much you guys will agree, but a, a very frustrating watch with all the high expectations that we've had on him this year. And I don't think those expectations were unfair either. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, it's I, I'm gonna I'm gonna reel it in for the pod, but yeah, I was I was pretty unhinged last night on Twitter. I had to delete some tweets. I was pretty angry, but he like it the the turnovers and b- before I before I go into this, like I'm gonna preface this by saying like he's still a plus seven on the season, and that shocked me when I looked that up right now because it doesn't feel like it at all. Like my my first instinct was to think, oh yeah, well he's probably going crazy on the power play. Power play doesn't get factored into plus minus. So that throws that right out the window immediately. So I think it might've just been, I think he was like the most dominating player out of anybody against union. I think that was what could have factored into it. I think he was on the ice for like every goal for, and obviously like no goals against. So that probably helped his case quite a bit. Yeah. He Um, was the CCC for that. If I remember correctly. And I mean, it's him and Kenny Connors with eight and seven plus minus. And I think the next highest is like a four. So, I mean, he, like he's definitely still when it comes to plus minus and being on the ice for goals for he he's up there and clearly not that much for goals against, but just from the eye test alone, from what I've seen, he has given up so many poor defensive plays where he'll just, he, he puts in no effort into his skating whatsoever, at least from what it looks like. I don't know if he just doesn't have the ability or if he is only coasting throughout games, but I've seen numerous circumstances where he will just glide into the D zone while backskating. And then the, the, the offensive player that's going up against him will recognize this and just blow right past him because they, he knows that the moment that he can get any sort of, you know, quick change in speed, a quick burst, he's around him in two seconds. And like, 
it's super frustrating to watch because I've seen even just in these past two games, I'm not even going off of the previous weeks. Like there were multiple plays where, you know, either Clarkson or Lake Superior can just chip the puck into his area. He'll miss the puck and he won't have the speed or the acceleration to get to that puck. And it's an immediate two on one. Like, and I think that's why his plus minus isn't that bad is because somehow he has this uncanny ability to motivate the goaltenders to, to stop whatever puck <laughs> that goes against them because of his like mistake. I, I don't know what to say. Like it's just recently he's been super frustrating. Like I was watching the Clarkson game and he had the puck in the D zone. And I'm thinking to myself, like, how is he going to turn this over this time? Like I literally called it at one point in the game. He did this two mile per hour skate up the ice in the D zone. Clarkson player begins to forecheck him. He tries to do this quick burst of speed up the ice, and then he walks directly into two other Clarkson players that are forechecking him, and he doesn't have the wherewithal to either pass the puck out or make a better move to get around him. He just gives the puck up and says, here you go, two-on-one the other way, enjoy. Like, I I don't know. I'm going to stop it there because there's so many more instances I can think of, but he's been super, super frustrating, and I'm, I'm of the opinion that he, I think he should be benched, at least for a game, just to tell him to smarten up and, and – make smarter plays and put in more effort but I don't know I could completely be going against the grain here I mean I was seeing some tweets last night that were were agreeing with me you know I don't think I'm the only one in this in this category and clearly I don't think Cam you are either um but yeah something's definitely got to give with him because he has not been performing to the expectations that have been placed upon him this season right and we're not hockey players by any means we're just big hockey fans uh, who watch a lot of hockey and from what we've seen he just he puts himself in situations where it's like hard to think of him succeeding like it, it, in situations where um, it's maybe more difficult to succeed than he thinks um, like uh, when situations should be a breakout we see a backhanded pass to the to the center dot in the neutral zone and he immediately gets intercepted um trying to trying to skate down the boards into the offensive zone get stripped of the puck it's like um I may he might have to just reel it back and, and play some more conservative hockey um because the results aren't coming at least of late in that regard and again I just want to reiterate we're only this tough because uh we have very high expectations for him and I'm sure he does for himself so um we just want to see that effort and that kind of hockey awareness show itself more as we finish out this season because he might have might have seemed like he was NHL ready um last season and it doesn't seem like that anymore it seems like it's been a regression so we need we need to see some improvement out of Scott Morrow yeah that, that the, the improvement is the the last part I want to make before we move on like just the very very last thing is that's the part that concerns me the most is that we saw all of these exact same issues with his game last season we, we, we knew we were complaining about the turnovers. We were complaining about some of the boneheaded decisions that he would make. We, we knew that going into the season. The problem is, is that that hasn't been fixed. <laughs> like you had a whole off season to look at film, understand what you were doing wrong, you know, figure out how to read the ice better, you know, work on, you know, just all the little parts of your game that you needed to improve on. They haven't even really stayed the same. It seems like it's gotten a, li- a little bit worse. You know what I mean? Like, regardless you know even if it did say the same and I'm if I'm being too harsh on him maybe if he's the exact same player as last season because like points wise he's about the same when it comes to being you know a little bit below point per game all that stuff he looks almost identical stat wise but if you're not making a big jump from your freshman to your sophomore year what are you doing you know what I mean like that that's where the expectations come in is that 
we, we were under the assumption that he was going to make this sort of kale like jump this season where he was going to, you know, blow expectations out of the water, become a more than a point per game player and become very solid in his own defensive zone. Even that's, that, even that's an unfair expectation. That, that I wasn't is, even no, thinking that, that high. I, I wasn't using, I, I don't want to say kale level. I, I did yeah. kind of misspeak there, but a similar, you know, a, a big time jump from freshman to sophomore, you know what I mean? Like to become NHL ready, maybe not to the level of kale where you're the best defenseman in the league, but to, to make a big enough jump to where you're a noticeable improvement as a player. And that simply hasn't happened, you know, and that's, I don't, I don't know who to blame more for that. I don't know if that's a coaching thing. Like I don't, cause at this point, you know, the, the coaching staff can instill all of their, you know, here's how you should read the game. Here's how you should play. We're going to instill our sort of identity into how you play. You can do that all day, but if the player doesn't listen, it's a completely useless endeavor. So I don't know if, if, if it's a, if it's a Moro thing where he just says, I'm going to do my own thing anyway, or if it's going to be the coaching staff just doesn't know how to, you know, adapt to, to what he wants to do in his game. I don't, I don't know who to, who to look at here, but again, it's another case of just something's got to give something needs to change because it's not working. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's super, super frustrating to watch. Yeah. Like you said, we're seeing guys get disciplined for other things at this point. Maybe, maybe it might be a good wake up call at this point. Agreed. So, um, yeah, we'll move over to our custom awards now. Um, get through those a little quicker. So uh, my first custom award, I, I guess I'll go first. I'm giving the Diamond in the Rough Award. And this one is going to Cole O'Hara. Um, in the first game, he was fantastic. Uh, he really imposing his um, himself on the ice. We saw the announcers talking about him quite a bit. Like, oh, this, this O'Hara kid, he's pretty good. Um, and for a freshman uh it's great to see. He had two goals, looked really good, a couple snipes, um, kind of all over the ice using his speed and stuff like that. And uh, in a game that uh, was really rough, he was the diamond. So that's that's why I give that award. He, he played really well in the first game. He, he's been awesome. You know, again, I think it all kind of stemmed from that first goal. He just looked much more confident. He was shooting a lot more. He was trying to make more plays with the puck in his hands. I think he was, again, more confident to try and, you know, make moves around opposing defenders. I just think that 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 goal was what he needed to kind of jumpstart his kind of whole, you know, uh, I don't know what's what's the term like he he's molding into a butterfly. He was like a little he was a little chrysalis before <laughs> after in the little cocoon. Now he's trying yep. to branch out and do more stuff. I think, you know, I'm super happy for him because you know I'm really rooting for him. You know, I think he definitely can can do a really really good job with this with this team, especially with his skill set. I think he's a very skillful player that just hasn't really you know seen the score sheet a whole lot you know at least goals wise I think he's done a lot of a lot of good uh on the playmaking side but not necessarily the goal scoring side so hopefully that evens out a bit more soon and he uh he, he does a little bit more when it comes to putting the puck in the back of the net he's he's looked great yeah absolutely and uh what is your custom award I mean come on it has to go to Henry Graham you know he was kind of the feel-good story of uh of that Lake Superior State game you know all the all the BS aside with all the the context surrounding it you know the game beforehand he, he did his job. You know what I mean? I'm calling it the, uh, the no longer third string award because apparently uh, Cole Brady has been relegated to that department. Um, I'm, I'm super happy for Graham. Like you said, you know, I think he was a walk on, you know, he's kind of meant to just be like the practice guy and he's, he's earned it. You know what I mean? I think when, when you talk to genuine, like when I was looking at the, the TV interviews from all the players, like I think, if, I think Eric Faith was talking for a bit and then Bollinger was talking for a bit they were both super pumped for Henry Graham. You know, I think everybody just absolutely loves him in that locker room. They were talking about just how, you know, hard he's worked and how much he's trying to improve his game, you know, because 
it, it kind of seems pretty easy when, you know, you're just kind of put on the team and you can kind of just think like, oh yeah, you know, if I'm just gonna be the practice guy, I'll just be, you know, a warm body in net to have some guys to, to shoot on me and I can just help out in that regard. But you can tell he was clearly, you know, trying to improve his game and really trying to, uh, you know, carve out something for him, maybe career-wise when it comes to, you know, professional hockey. I mean, again, like we said, he wasn't, you know, there were probably some nerves on his end. You know, he didn't look like the most, you know, athletically gifted goalie of all time. You know what I mean? He He's, he's not going to turn into Tuka Rask out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Like, or, you know, any other NHL goalie you wish. But yeah, he, he definitely did enough. He had, a, you know, he was sitting on the floor at one point in his crease and he made like a seated save with his chin because somebody decided to just like, send it right at his chin you know he was making some some pretty pretty uh big saves clutch saves when they needed to be made so yeah super happy for him I think everybody was really rooting for him and that was kind of the feel-good story of this weekend yeah and the and the guys in the locker room clearly love him so it's really good to see him uh get his moment there we weren't exactly sure that would happen this season so definitely feels good yeah now we can actually uh talk about how how good he did uh you know save percentage wise this season because he actually has a start under his belt now he has a 0.81 0.81 goals against average and a 9.78 save percentage. So wow, man has some elite numbers in a small sample size. Maybe he uh, he gets the start against a weak Brown team. No, I'm kidding. That's <laughs> probably not. We're probably gonna go back to Pavisic realistically, but uh, definitely was good to see to see Graham get a collegiate start under his belt and a collegiate win, which is really really cool. Yeah, absolutely good for Henry Graham. Um, that about do it for us. I we won't do the hockey East. Uh, standings and scoreboard until that matters for us we're uh, really low in that regard so once that comes into play a bit more we'll start talking about that but for now we'll just leave it Um, the next UMass game will be against Brown on Tuesday night at Mullins really weird uh, January 3rd so it's not even like a like a work holiday Um, we're gonna try to get to that one Uh, hopefully we do but uh, that is the precursor to the frozen Fenway game against BC so Fun little week coming up, midweek game and the weekend game at Fenway. Looking forward to it for sure. Um, I'm not sure exactly when we'll get the World Juniors guys back, but hopefully soon. I'm not sure when that tournament ends. I don't know if you have any idea. I want to say, uh, depending on how USA does, um, I, we should have them back for Frozen Fenway, I'm pretty sure. Um, as far That'd as I know, I don't. Help. Yeah, I, th- I think that's how that'll work out because I mean, you got to figure it's a week from now. Mm-hmm. Like, they. I think there's only like one or two more games. I mean, depending on like if they get back like really, really late into the week, we might hold them out just to kind of let them acclimate back to UMass hockey instead of USA hockey. But I think we should have them back by Frozen Fenway, but don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. That would be very nice. But uh, yeah, we might have an episode for you guys over the weekend, uh, something a little bit different. So uh, we'll let you know on that. And then uh, if not, we'll have the preview episode on Monday. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, excited that UMass hockey's back after the long break. A little frustrating uh, this week to watch, but hopefully it'll be it'll be better as we go forward in the future. So, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we went a little long on this one. Uh, and go UMass. Go UMass. Take care, everybody. Good job, Henry Graham. Keep it up, pal. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm.